Welcome to Elgar the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Abdullah, and today I'm joined by Introduce Yourself, Good Sir. Hi, my name is Scott Lampright. I am a voice actor based in Los Angeles. And uh, first question is the obvious one, but how did you get started? Ah, well, I've always been acting since I was about five. My first role was in a Catholic school play as Noah because I was one of the taller kids. So they drew in my face with a Sharpie to like, here's a beard. You look old enough. And here's a wizard robe. So that was my first role on stage. And um, it's funny because now I play like monsters and demons. So I always look back at my youth and go, man, I have fallen far. <laughs> but um, aside from that, I was always in things like choir, school plays. Then when I got to high school, I got into drama and was kind of immature, so I didn't want to act anymore. But at the same time, I still read all the books we had to do. I did all the tech work. I built stages and got more into playing music live. So that was kind of my theatrical outlet, was playing like punk rock shows on weekends. And yeah, then I got to college and then was doing improv and had a friend who I was playing jazz with at the time that was like, hey, we have a radio station that needs some like you know, voiceover bumps. And you talked about wanting to get into that and like been my dream since I was a kid. And I was like, okay, sure. I'll give it a shot. And then did a few of those. And then the classic, awesome. You did great. Never heard anything again from the guy. And then went to an anime convention and saw some original character art from my friend Dana, who I met at that convention. And yeah, I just kind of walked up and noticed she was talking to someone for a long time. And then I just kind of, you know, walked the artist alley to kind of, give the person time and uh, like 10 minutes later they finally left and i was like hi i'm a voice actor i was wondering is this original animation and could i pitch myself to voice your characters and she just lets out this sigh like that's what that last guy was talking about for 10 minutes and i felt so bad like oh i didn't know but in her like delirium she was just listening to me talk and pitch myself and she's like you know what this person actually sounds like they have talent and knows what they're doing like the other person unlike the other person in reality, I only had one gig, but I had all the training and just auditioned for her characters. And we've still been friends ever since. And she still pitches projects, but she was kind of my first start to like having a contact in the industry. So long story short, uh, yeah, a lot of theater, improv and just being a touring musician and then settling in on this career. What made it's you want to and, and mean, what made you want to specifically pursue voiceover? That's hard to say. I've always been in love with movies and TV animation. And it was always the thing I was drawn to. Like I've always loved horror movies. And even though I was terrified of them, I kept watching them. And it's funny because I would watch, you know, the predator movies when I was a kid and it was so scary, but I was just always watching them. And that sound that it makes, I was addicted to like, Ooh, I want to learn how to make that. And then I was able to, you know, like a year later, just, make that sound and i was obsessed like this is so cool and i would do it in class and no one could place where it was because it's such a weird sound i'd do it on a quiet test and i was obsessed and then i always thought that voice actors memorized their lines like we did in theater and i always hated doing that i was immature but then i saw the behind the scenes for halo 2 recording the voice actors and they had scripts in front of them and i was like oh that's awesome that's like improv with a script like you just read it it's right in front of you and that kind of sparked, you know, the fuel. But I was so busy playing music that I was like, ah, that'll be something I can do later. And then after touring and doing all the stuff I did, 
kind of started to get fed up with, all right, well, this is not the best career because everyone I know has day jobs or like has to quit or find new jobs and they go on tour. So I was like, this is fun. But man, the stability was like, if I want to build a life. Magic of editing, technical difficulties. You were saying yes. good, sir. <laughs> all right. Um, what was the last thing I said? <laughs> um, you were talking about voiceover and reading scripts and, and, uh, you didn't know how to balance it because you're like, oh, you know, everyone's so busy and, and everyone's got jobs and something. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, did I mention Halo 2 or did it drop out? Yeah. 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 Halo okay, 2. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Okay. I guess I'll just bring it to, did I talk about that I was homeless and had no money to my name? No, so, you did not. <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um. We'll bring it back there. So I wanted something more stable than being a touring musician. And even though I decided to pursue voice acting full time, I still had my bits of, you know, I was homeless for a bit. I had no money to my name. Like at one point I had $100 to my name. So I knew like, okay, you've got to, this isn't just like fun. This is a career. You've got to plan and do this. So I knew ever since I started this career 10 years ago in 2011, I wanted to move to LA. So I started saving up money, everything I had, and reading everything I could and practicing as much as I could and training so that I knew if I got to LA, I'm like, okay, I can be homeless in Florida once or twice because I have friends and family that can crash on the couch with in LA. I don't know people yet. So I knew I don't have that safety net. I didn't want to sleep in my car in LA. So I was very cautious about that, and I had all of my resources lined up. No, man, that, that is, that is very scary. Like being, being in a position of, oh, I need to find a a career path or else I'm going to be homeless for the rest of my life. That is, I can't imagine dealing with that. I really can't. It's, it's, it happens. There's certain things in life that have happened to me, but I'm fine now, but it was definitely rough for a while. But I was from such a bohemian background of being a touring musician that I was like, I can sleep on a different couch every night. That's normal. But then when you get into your 20s, you're like, okay, this shouldn't be normal. You should, everyone should have a place to call home, which obviously people don't. And that's a problem. So I knew like, I have to have this for my future and anything that gets in the way of that. I need to make sure there's a backup plan. Plus, you didn't, you didn't want to have that talk where someone uh, says, uh, Scott, I love you, but you can't keep coming on and sleeping on exactly. the couch. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I luckily almost got to that point with a friend's family once, but I knew a week later we were going to like move in together and find a place. But they were cool because I was always hounding them. Hey, let's go search for places to live because I feel bad crashing in your parents' guest bedroom for like months. <laughs> So that uh, was and, uh, definitely it's, it's a, good. It's only for a minute or a day, and then it's mm-hmm. a week, <laughs> and then it's a but month. Then it's, <laughs> but then it's like, okay, they are nice, and I do chores, and I keep trying to say if I have any money, I'll pay, and they're like, no, you're fine. So it was just that of like, fine, I'll do chores then, because when I was touring as a musician, I would always, if we crash on someone's couch or floor, I would always go, hey, let me do the dishes. Let me cook you guys breakfast. Let me do anything. So that's what we would always do. But now it's much more stable. I have my own studio apartment in LA, so I'm happy. <laughs> oh, that must be that that is an achievement. That is an achievement <laughs> considering considering the prices in, in LA are just oh my goodness. Oh yes, it is. I 
wish it wasn't as expensive, but I'm gladly paying a little more to live alone so I don't have to deal with roommates, especially when we had the pandemic. I was living alone the whole time, so I was lonely, but I didn't have to deal with the stress of a roommate that would have been like a vaccine denier having parties. So I was okay in that regard. Just lonely, like I'm sure a lot of us were. I mean, it, it's, yeah, I mean, that's basically like everyone. Like yeah. That's, that's, that's the basic, um, feeling everyone was feeling back then where it's just isolation, oh, yeah. loneliness, mm-hmm. <laughs> fear of the unknown. <laughs> Definitely. How are, how are you during all the pandemic? Cause, um, yeah, I could imagine, like, I don't know if it was anything like where you live, but you know, LA was just shut down. Oh, no, no. Um, May of last year was the worst month of my life because Mm. everything, the entire country shut down. Mm. And it's like you could not leave the house. It's like everything's on lockdown. Mm. Curfew has been implemented. You can only leave if it's an emergency. Yeah, that's... And it, it destroyed me. Just physically, oh, yeah. mentally, and like I, I hated it. Like that was the worst. I, I could imagine because like, I don't think it would have been as bad if they didn't say two weeks. If they said we don't know how long this will take, then it would have prepared us. But because they gave us a timeline, our minds naturally, because we're pattern seeking, said, "Oh, I can do that." Yeah, <laughs> it was really hard for everyone but i'm glad you're doing okay and your loved ones are all right because it was a very hard year oh no like i i still look back and and i said this many many times on previous episodes but it was Mm -hmm. very hard for me not to end every single episode that i recorded in 2020 thanking the guests Mm -hmm. and saying thank you for keeping me sane because yes you don't know how much i needed these like human interactions yes uh, it's, it's it's funny because I haven't opened Zoom up since I was fully vaccinated. This is my first time back on Zoom. Every time I hang out with people, we go outside or we go, you know, keep small hangouts going. So that's been nice. But the first time I've been on Zoom since then, fun fact, since I was fully vaccinated in May. So, oh, wow. hey, thank you for <laughs> hanging out on Zoom with me. <laughs> yeah, you think you're out, but the, uh, someone will pull you back in. <laughs> exactly. And I'm fine with that because it opens up the whole world to hanging out in communications and it's not a three second ISDN delay. So yeah. Um, but you know, speaking of that, like how was mm-hmm. it recording from home for you? It was interesting because I, when I was in Florida, which you know, I grew up in and I started my career in, I already had, you know, a bunch of mics. I had Neumann, Sennheiser's Avalon preamp, all that stuff. So I already had the equipment to record from home and, I just always had it for auditions and recording music, and it was always overkill for an audition from home. It's like, do you really need a tube channel strip? But I was like, I like it. <laughs> just in case you're playing it on some nice, like, Yamaha speakers, they'll hear, like, okay, this guy's sound sounds great. Whereas if someone is just recording on their iPhone, then it's like, well, they can hear every nuance of my performance, and if you're on your iPhone, they can't hear it. So I always have had that. But... The only upgrades I made during the pandemic, I got better internet, I got AT&T fiber, and yeah, that's basically about it. So my studio was already pretty ready to go, and I talked with George Whittem, sent him a sample, like, is it we good? It's like, yeah, it's been fine since you moved in in 2019. And yeah, aside from, I retubed my preamp, because 
they was starting to sound a little, little not as warm as the audio people say. And I'm like, yeah, I should put new tubes in. Now it sounds great. So that was basically about it. And have your neighbors or anybody or any outside noise given you any problems? <laughs> um, occasionally there's a pipe that if someone's taking a shower in my apartment complex, it'll be annoying, but mostly it's fine. Like I use um, either a Neumann or a Sennheiser. And if it's really like a noisier day, I just keep the Sennheiser on. But if it's a very quiet, you know, early morning, I can use my TLM 103 and not worry about it. So that's basically about it. It's been pretty nice. So there was never a case of you having to leave your apartment and just find somewhere else to record? Yeah, <laughs> it's, I was pretty lucky in that regard. I know when I first moved in, I didn't have my stuff set up for a while, so I had to go to my car and drive to a park to audition, and that was always fun. Just, you know, my microphone or my car. It's like, whatever, this is better than what I have in my studio right now before I put all my foam and panels up. No, a lot of people uh, in the before times used to, you know, when they get, they would be like at a convention or something and they get, would mm -hmm. get like a email or call from their agent saying, hey, we need you to audition for blah, blah, blah. Can you send us whatever? And they just like pull out a USB mic and just, you know, yep. record something and just send it. And that's how it's always been. So you got, you got to, yeah. as a voiceover actor, you got to be prepared for anything oh exactly when i went on my first trip since the pandemic in may this year i went back to florida to help a friend drive cross country and i brought my mic and everything and i was like i'm probably not gonna need it because there were some auditions that were like okay this is like five pages i don't have the time for this i'm gonna tell my agent to pass but there were some ones that are like hey i need one line really quick of like a teenager done i can do that for you as a sample to send off because then it was just a check, and then we're working in two weeks when I get back in town. Well, I mean, being a teenager must be easy for you because you already have, like, <laughs> you know, oh, a yeah. very high-pitched voice. It um, Yeah, it's funny because when I went through puberty, my voice got super deeper. And then I think it was probably just one of those things where it's like, okay, I just I'm talking to lower register, like, more like this, because I assumed I had to because, oh, I'm an adult now. And then, you know, I was always like kind of losing my voice when I went out to like go to shows and stuff. And it was funny because I was always singing in a higher register because that was comfortable, but I was talking to a lower register and I realized like, Hey, why don't you just try talking in that register you sing? And then I found like, Oh, I guess I don't have this deep voice. I have, the, this is my, my vocal cords do. And you know, I can, I've got the range to go down there, but doing that for like, you know, a week straight of being a teenager, like, yeah, let's go to that show, dude. Is like, that, that's not you, dude. So having to push to an even like younger teen, you just kind of, kind of got to lose a little of the bass. You uh, add some breath to it, take out some of the certainty, and then you're kind of already at a teenager. And then you can just change it from there. You can, you know, make it a little more like rough and gruff, like someone who's like right in the throes of puberty. And, or you can just totally get rid of that. And then you've kind of got like the, almost pre-puberty, like 12-year-old. So yeah, it's just kind of one of those things you can do with your voice and change it. And I always add the like fact, there's always a character trait to it of like uncertainty. If your character's uncertain, it makes a vocal decision, which is no longer just like, I'm a teenager. Now it's like, I'm a teenager? Because now that's a character trait instead of a vocal choice. But because I'm super actory, so that's the stuff I justify my changes in. 
Well, I mean, you, you kind of have to, because mm-hmm. you know, part of the part of longevity is finding new ways to 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 push yourself to the limit and find new ways to cheat. Basically, <laughs> exactly. It's funny because I've heard so many friends they're like, "Oh, I do these teenage roles." Like, "Oh, how do you do it?" And it's like, "Oh, I hold my like vocal cords and like push them up." And I'm like, "You what?" Just learn how to. That is so bad. That is tension. Like, what are you doing? It's like, no wonder why you're losing your voice all the time. Like, if there's any tension in your vocal cords, it's going to hurt you. All the stuff I do as teenagers, they sound scratchy and stuff, but that's just like something in the back of my throat to kind of give it that resonance. But my vocal cords are so relaxed, and I'm like, dude, you need to not do that. I know, like, you booked this show as a teenager, but man, like, one, you've got one hand that's not doing any animation motion, and two, like, put intention in your vocal cords like you're doing this thing like that like okay you can do that but i can do that too if you just know where to place it vocally you don't have to like cheat and use your pan to like choke yourself it's the weirdest thing i ever heard and it's like really <laughs> but i guess i'm a i'm a singer so that's the thing that i knew is like you've got to know where to place things vocally and know where to hold them and that's why like i, I think i said this before in a previous episode but i think to me musicians make great voice actors because they already know how to mm-hmm. you know use their voice oh, yeah, to their definitely. To, to their advantage well it's like i was always mimicking singers back in the day we would just like mess around and make parody songs like i would always make fun of like creed and stuff like can you check me higher? and like i'd feel like man it just sounds like eddie vetter's like heaven flow and then you get like the super boring version of like nickelback have a man as a wild man and that is new how to like imitate that stuff i was imitating singers all the time and just, yeah, they're great because you find those vocal placements and it just really helps out to know where things sit or knowing how to change. Like I'm a tenor baritone and I can do like falsetto. So I've got a pretty high range. So I know if I have to do a deeper bass your character, like in, you know, orc or something, I know like you've got to hit the baritone register. You've got to rough it up. You've got to kind of do a vocal choice. Which makes it more fangy on uh, you got that underbite as an orc, and then you're still there because if you draw it back, you're still in that placement. It's just a vocal affectation you give, and then you had an accent, and now you've got more of a character, and you've got a disposition. But if you make them care about their family, then there's something more to the performance than just a bloodthirsty orc. So that's one of those things from being a singer, too, of knowing placement, but also having an emotion when you sing. Because the worst thing is like an open mic where someone's like doing a cover and they're like vocally unsure and emotionally unsure. And it's the worst thing because they just don't give it. They're all like, you don't care. And that's the thing with acting. If you don't care about what you're doing, the audience isn't going to care. And so that's kind of what I've learned from the years of playing music in terms of vocal placement and performance. I, can I just say that that was pretty impressive. That the fact that you can just go from orc to to Scott is just. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I was um years ago we were working on um Zombieland two and it was this hilarious cue. It was a two minute nonstop zombie scene from like transformation to chasing the guy to being murdered by my first on screen crush Rosario Dawson. So it was like I got to share a scene with her and she killed me, but. It was so funny because I did a level check and like this, I'll back up and it's like a, <laughs> like a zombie sound and art, it sounds good. And they played back and they're laughing. It's this horrible zombie sound. And then it's them going like, are you good to record? And I go, sure thing, dude. 
and everyone just lost it because it's like, how is that coming out of this guy that's calling everyone dude? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Years of listening to death metal. <laughs> God. I, I always, I, again, I, I'm just so impressed by it. I'm, because again, I know, I know voice actors are like, hey, I, I don't, I don't want to do voices when I'm, you know, just talking about whatever, but I'm like, when you just slip into it. Yeah. It's like, fun. it's like, come on, man. You know, if I had the ability to do that, I would show off. I would really just be the guy who shows off. I'm just like, you want someone to do SpongeBob? I can do SpongeBob. You know, I can do Homer Simpson. What, what have well, you? Well, what about you? What are you, what is your main, like, um, kind of voiceover stuff? Cause I, I never like to talk with myself that long. I like to always be like, what about you? I'm always that person. <laughs> oh, what about, what about you? What about you? Um, no, but I mean, I just, I just find it interesting. I mean, I know sometimes because, mm-hmm. You know, especially when it comes to like big name voice actors who just do like uh, tons oh, yeah. of projects back and forth. They just don't like mm-hmm. talking about work outside of, you know, outside of cons or what have you, because it's like yeah. it's work. <laughs> it's, you know, exactly. I, you spent like four hours playing a Nazi scientist. You don't want <laughs> to yeah. talk about that. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. I'm the same way. But if I know I'm going to talk to a podcast or someone about it, I get in the mode of like, all right. I'm not going to think about work at all. So I went to a concert last night. It's like, perfect. That's the perfect shutout for, you know, my job that I do, which I love. It's not work, but I'm not one of those people that's like after work, like, let's hop on the Zoom call and talk about voiceover. I'm like, I don't, I want to talk about life. Because <laughs> if I talk about work after work, it becomes work. <laughs> but I'm happy right now. I'm in the mood because like I said, I went to a concert last night. So I'm all in the mood. Like, oh, let's talk about acting, music, all this stuff. <laughs> I almost, almost said a bad word but i don't know what your podcast's rating is i keeping it g though <laughs> well i mean if you haven't sworn i'm not gonna swear because usually it depends yeah, I, on. <laughs> uh, that's usually what i do in a studio if i'm working i never go into like a uh, dropping you know swears and stuff i gauge it based on who i'm working with and if like the producer or director says something i'm like oh yeah okay the, that's the rating of this session this session's rated r today good to know but it's like you never want to be the guy like oh we're doing all this stuff it's like we're on a kid show and you're just swearing left and right and it's like dude read the room don't do that no well it's funny you mentioned that because every time i had someone who has done like children's entertainment they're like mm-hmm. dude all we talk about backstage is sex and just a horrible horrible yeah. adult things that mm-hmm. uh shouldn't have seen the light of day and i'm like yep that that's pretty much yeah, what i would expect it's it's got to balance out the cute little hi i'm i'm trying to find the number 3 can you see the number 3 and they're just like okay i need to, i need i need a drink <laughs> because when you're doing that you're so much like you're riding the line of okay i'm, I'm an actor I'm also talking to like a young kid, but I'm not trying to be placating. It's that fine line of like youth stuff you've got to work on where it's like, all right, you got to keep their attention, but you can't treat them like they're idiots because then the kids are going to cross their arms and go, uh, I know where this is. Shut up, Bob the Builder. We can't fix it. So it's one of those things. Plus, it's you get a fine line. And plus, you got to make sure that it sounds right. Otherwise, the studio, otherwise, yep. the director will be like, hey, can you make it sound less negative? <laughs> mm hmm. He's like, look, I know we're, we're on the letter C right now, but you got a whole alphabet, buddy. Because <laughs> I remember talking to someone, and one of the weirdest directions they got was when they were doing like a preschool cartoon was mm-hmm. can you make it sound like you're not talking down to the to the kids can you yeah. make it like sound 
you know, more encouraging and less, you know, condescending, which is just like how, how it's a kid's show you know, aimed at preschoolers. It's, like how it's a fine line you can't you can't tell the kids, yo, kid, that's number three. You got to be like, hey, kid, you know where number three is? I bet you do. Huh? Huh? And it's that like line of like being constantly excited because you talk to kids they're just everything's the coolest thing ever they found a stick and it's the coolest thing ever so when you do that stuff you've got to approach it that way like everything's the coolest thing ever they're brand new so like that's not being jaded just go in that mind place when you were a kid and it was like dude playing with a sponge between like trying to clean dishes your parents trying to teach you was like the most fun you've ever had no, that's why that's why I like the original Blues Clues was so good because it 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 knew how to talk to kids properly. Yeah, and and I'll I'll tell you like as a kid watching that I I used to like <laughs> dance around whenever the mail came oh, yeah. in because <laughs> it's it was it's perfect. I think it's Steve, right? Yeah, Steve. I, even though I didn't watch much of that, I appreciated it. But I knew the one thing is like Barney when I was a kid was like this is just placating. And I, even as, like, a five-year-old, like, ugh, Barney. But I think that's why everyone made fun of it. Everyone knew, like, okay, this is clearly just put it on so the kids don't do anything. No, uh, it's funny you mentioned Barney because I remember back in, I, th- I want to say, like, 2005-ish. Like, we're, we're on, mm-hmm. like, I was a teenager. And yeah. one day me and my cousin got bored and was like, you know, let's watch it. Let's watch a really bad movie just to riff on it. Yep. And we watched like the Barney movie, and we had so uh-huh. much fun riffing on uh, that. <laughs> You're just like Barney, you stupid purple dinosaur. Why aren't you extinct, you dummy? Why do you have friends? Yeah, you just like <laughs> laugh at movies like that. I mean, looking back at it now, one of the things that really bothers me about Barney's design is his teeth. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're I, just like the flat. Yeah, yeah. I, I never liked that. I'm like. Oh, he just—he just looks like a, looks like a nutcracker. I don't know why. <laughs> you, leave, you leave Barney and his Hollywood dental work alone. He paid good money for those veneers, <laughs> looking like Gary Busey. <laughs> Gary Busey as <is> Barney. <laughs> He's got those teeth, man. They got the same teeth. <laughs> Gary Busey is Barney. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey kids, we're gonna we're gonna count uh, to three. You guys count to three. <laughs> and it's like, what, mom? Why does Barney smell like booze? <laughs> I'm sorry, if Gary Beach is listening to this podcast. I apologize. <laughs> uh, it's st- it's still weird um, watching, going back to that show and listening to because I know one of the dinosaurs went on to voice Amethyst in in Steven Universe, and it just feels oh, yeah. so weird to. <laughs> go back and listen to and a job's a job yeah it's just like oh man there's amethyst (laughs) yeah uh, sorry if the podcast is getting derailed this is just who i am i i assume you so used to this actors just going like "Ooh, this this shiny this this thing no 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 dude like i said before i Mm -hmm. here's the secret of my podcast i i i I claim it's an interview show but really it's it's just about us uh, just about us hanging out and shooting the shit about that's like that's the that's the point oh you said the bad word you said (laughs) a dollar in the jar (laughs) Uh, i'm uh oh well this well that's <laughs> yeah, whatever it's all right we'll do a second take of that one i always love those cheap voiceover jokes 
of like, oh, let's say it again. Or you make fun of your friends that introduce themselves. And it's like, can you introduce yourself to someone new without slating? Like, what do you mean? It's like, if I introduce myself, hi, Scott Lambright. Nice to meet you. So, hey, my name's Scott. What's up? <laughs> it's just the funny thing. People will drop into that, like, you know, voice actor thing. And it's like, it's just you know, my friend, dude. You don't need to slate your name. <laughs> no, one of the things that... Um... Because even even when people say, "Oh, I don't want to swear," I will eventually like just sneak in PG thirteen swears because I'm like, "We're adults. Exactly. We're adults." <laughs> exactly. Like no no kid is listening to this going, "I really want to know the ins and outs and voiceover." <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> man, you want to think some kid in like five years, like, "I want to learn this voiceover. Oh, look, goes thing. Oh, that's cool." Mommy, what does that mean? You never know. <laughs> Mommy, who's Gary Busey? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that's that's Well, that's who your father used to be. <laughs> this kid learns his dad is actually Gary Busey. Thanks this podcast. His mom <laughs> is just ashamed. It was a mistake. Uh so oh god, now now you, you know what you just did? You just um you just uh pitched the Jake Busey prequel movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even remember what we were talking about, but this is the, this is how my brain works. It's just so ridiculous. And improv was the perfect thing for me because it was like, oh, we can just keep finding weird things. Awesome. No, because I, I said this before, but one of the things I really don't like about other podcasts is like, I, I'm fine with the Q and A yeah uh, you know uh, stuff but i'm like i want to know who the person behind the voice is like what what exactly. is like like what is the most interesting thing you've ever done like what like who is like who is so-and-so like i yeah, want to know because it's... it's like i can sit here and just like talk about like voiceover over and over again but like there's only so much you can really talk about that, that you know i've done yeah like, like so many so many that interviews is. yeah <laughs> What do you do? I do this. That's cool. What are you looking forward to? Who is your influence? Uh, what's something you want to do? And it's the classic interview that everyone does. But I prefer the off the cuff. Like you start with one question and then it just springboards into everything but what an interview should be. Because that's where you get the true stuff on. Like when I have to voice match someone in a movie, I don't look up their movie roles. I look up them in an interview. Because in a movie, they're all like actory, performery. But if I watch the interview that's them just they're not on they're just talking especially on a talk show with like conan always got the best interviews on like a late night show because he was so awkward and ridiculous and just knew who he was and leaned into it that the performances you got out of them were so perfect so if i needed a voice match someone i was go okay them on conan oh perfect okay this is who they are Oh man, I I used I remember used to, used to I used to watch Conan a lot back when I was a teenager because I was like because again there wasn't because mm-hmm. it was so rare seeing celebrities like outside of character. Oh yeah, it was like so rare, and I'm like, is there like wait a minute, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like wait a minute, you're telling me that there's a show that you can oh, yeah. watch. Where the actors just be themselves for like two, two yeah. or three minutes—that's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Conan is just a, a horrible, awkward mess. I think some of my favorite interviews of his were with Aubrey Plaza because it is just 
she's already so like, I don't want to do this. I just want to like go home. And Conan's trying to like, you know, get blood from a stone and knows it. And it's just this awkward off. And then Aubrey just breaks and goes like, I used to do river dance. And then everyone loses their mind because out of nowhere, she just talked about this. Oh, no, my my favorite talk show interview was the Joaquin Phoenix one with Letterman. It's just, oh, no. It's so amazing because he's just so committed to 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 doing the bit. And, and Letterman, mm-hmm. God bless him, he was trying. <laughs> he was trying to get anything out of him. He's like, I really yeah. liked your new movie. And, he, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that stuff. Where it's like, honestly, like, I'm a huge fan of the Eric Andre show because it just breaks down that veneer of, like, you know, the talk shows, like the Jimmy Fallon's, which are just so safe and boring of, like, that. And it just gets weird. And, you know, we, we were both born in Florida, so I knew when I was watching the Eric Andre show, I'm like, there's something with Eric that just reminds me of, and I, you know, go to Wikipedia, I'm like, okay, he was born in Florida. That makes all the sense in the world. And he listens to jazz and all the weird music I like. And I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. This is why I like him so much. No, dude, I'm a huge Eric Andre show fan. Like, I, I so good. I, I I remember telling someone I during the pandemic, and I swear this is true. <laughs> when I was at my lowest, and I was like really depressed and just like just so sad. Yeah. What I did was I went to YouTube and I found and I tried to find every Eric Andre show clip I could find and I just watched yep. binged watched all of them. That is spent, what <laughs> spent like maybe 5 hours binge watching Eric Andre clips and I'm just they cheered me up cuz like Oh yeah. It, it's the only show I can watch that makes me legit laugh uncontrollably. Like legit it, it's laugh uncontrollably. So good. It's so funny because I think I caught the first episode back in like 2012. It was on randomly and I completely forgot it existed. Like, oh, this is amazing. There's just a funny bit where I used to play in like noise music. So he comes out and just has a microphone. He's screaming. And there's feedback. And I was like, ha, that's funny. And I told my friend about it and then forgot about it. So I got out to L.A. and a friend was like posting a clip. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that show. That's still on. And then I watched a few episodes his interviews were the best and then yeah last year in like october i decided i'm gonna watch every episode in sequence because i'd already been crazy i was watching weird movies like i'd never seen a racer head and i watched that back to back i'd never seen all of pink flamingos i watched all of that and i was in this weird cinema phase where i'm like i'm gonna watch all the weird movies and then as i don't think i'm ever gonna be the same because it was a lot of like weird dada-esque humor and I was already weird with my humor. But there's, I think my favorite bit of his with Eric Andre is honestly, I forget who it was. It was some, you know, like reality TV person. And she was talking, obviously uncomfortable. And then Eric just vomits. And then she just leaves. Just nope. Oh, um. I forget I, her name. I forgot her name, but it has my favorite Hannibal bit where he where they where he sings uh, "Walk of Flames" uh, yeah, hard in the like, paint. Walk, walk. walk out! <laughs> he starts screaming, and they're censoring everything but what it should be censored. Or I think I think it's the interview too, where he's like, "Yo, let's give a shout out to Christina Applegate." And yes, I lost it because Hannibal is like one of the perfect. He's the perfect straight man that is like the least straight he's just so off the wall like surreal have you ever seen his stand-up special he did 
they came out last year right before the pandemic it was so fun it was like multimedia and it's just crazy he has this joke about like two chains like two chains why they call you two chains and two chains goes hannibal shut up you're high and it's like the funniest thing just the delivery <laughs> no one of my favorite like one of my favorite things about the show in general back when hannibal was on was mm-hmm. Every time a guest would be uncomfortable, they would try to look to <laughs> Hannibal for comfort, and he just is giving them none of it. Oh, it's, like, so awkward because he stands over the chair, and then he's, like, hovering over their shoulder and just, like, wiggling like a, a kid in, like, a school photo, like, waiting to take the photo. He's just awkward. And then he just says the weirdest stuff, and it's just perfection. <laughs> I think my favorite one was the Dennis Rodman one because... Eric oh, could. Eric was... is just. <laughs> I just. I. It's like there are three conversations happening at the same time, and nothing makes sense. <laughs> like because that one's golden. Because what's amazing about it is that someone on YouTube made a made a great comment and said like. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when someone who's who pretends to be crazy meets someone who is actually crazy. Yes. <laughs> like I forget they gave him food and he just legit eats it. And it's no questions. Like, oh, oh. so weird, weird dude, D-Rod, man. <laughs> and of course, we can't forget um, Lance Reddick. That, that episode oh. made me a fan of Lance Reddick. I'm like, I don't care what uh-huh. anybody says about Lance Reddick. He is amazing, and he deserves everything. <laughs> that one was amazing. Because <laughs> he knew. He knew. He was like, I, I, I know what show I'm on. Let's yep. let's prank Eric. And Eric, like, when he comes out and does the oh, yeah. I wish I was LeVar Burton bit, That's you know, Eric so looks good. Eric looks legit confused because and I think it's because he he went behind the he went yeah. behind his back and, you know, talked with the talked with the production crew and said, like, hey, yeah. can we prank Eric? And they did it yeah. and it's so amazing just seeing <laughs> seeing eric get played by his own game yeah. especially especially the bit where he's trying to wreck the desk and reddick like gets up and just smashes it and says you i think you need a new desk that is just it is so believe that eric's just legit like uh, uh yeah that one's so good and they get him <laughs> i'm trying to think of another bit there's so many good bits in that show honestly i think it was lance bass had a great interview he was just, he was just all for it he's like yeah dude or no, no, it was Joey, Joey Fatone. And just giving him a foot massage. Like, yeah, thanks. Here's a shrimp cocktail. And he's just, just agreeing to everything. <laughs> and then it's got, I think, my favorite, you know, we'll be right back segment. Because Eric just ducks away and someone on a motorcycle runs into his desk. <laughs> it's just perfect. I love how at the start of every show, it just starts with him destroying the set in outlandish yes. ways. And... Every time it gets me seeing that that one stage hand come out and put the flower pot. <laughs> yep, every time, just like, out of breath, just and like the canned like laugh, and the one guy that every time goes yeah, I always lose it when I hear that canned laugh. I didn't even know that was a sound effect. I was like, I thought they legit hired a guy just to say that. I'm like, I have no, I wouldn't be surprised. But you always hear him on the cherries, like, yeah, every time there's the canned laugh. <laughs> but before we move on to Eric Andre, I think my favorite bit I've ever seen him was everyone hates it, but it's the octopus where he just goes to that restaurant and he's got all of the the little people as the tentacles, like, oh, my, 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 and it's just screaming. 
just going like, are you lonely? And every time I watch it, I lose my mind. Now, my favorite Eric Andre bit was when he goes to the laptop repair. <laughs> and he just gives him the laptop and he says, my computer's not working. He just like throws just start smashing it and throwing it's not water working. on it. And the guy just looks at So oh good. Oh, there's the bit where he's like, he goes and he's, my car's broke, just breaking the windows. And he's like, I'm a car and takes the gasoline jug and starts drinking it. It's just so good. The weirdest thing, he's only been arrested once, by the way. Oh, yeah, that was actually in um, Rancho Cucamonga. He went to, like, you know, hey, legal, was it legalize um, beer bongs or whatever, something stupid. He was, like, a college party bro, and he got arrested for, like, disturbing the peace. Keep in mind, there was a sketch where him and Hannibal impersonate cops, and they didn't get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing the shit he does that hasn't gotten him arrested. Like, there's the, when he was the NYPD, like, handcuffed to a pole with his pants on. Hey, I don't know what happened. My pants are down. It's just so awkward. Um, anyway, <laughs> moving <Yes>. on. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Eric Andre. Eric, no, no, that's fine. I, it, I, stuff I am so, that, I am so consume, sorry. Media you consume informs the choice you make as an actor. So if you like a bunch of weird stuff, when you do those weird shows, it just comes out of you. And no, I don't mind talking about that stuff because no, because I because I I, I, I I remember you know talking to one of my friends, uh, Larissa Gallagher, and she mm-hmm. had no idea about the show, and I'm like, what oh, clip can I send you to, 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 think, to sell the, to sell oh, this man. show? So I had to go with a classic. I had to go with um, buying a car because that that is just so yeah, when they go in the suit. Yeah. On the shoulder, excuse me, I'm an adult looking to buy a car. <laughs> Clearly 11 feet tall. You want to see my genitals? That is not ah, okay. no! Just like the guy in sleep. Nope, get out of here. I don't like this. I don't know what this is and I don't like it. I don't trust that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the weird thing is he's not phased by it. So this is it's, so, it's so. like someone someone came in in a gimp suit before this, and he's like, ah, Wednesdays. No, but anyway, um, we got to move on because I think people yeah. are just like, uh, what, when are they going to start talk, yeah, going back sure. to talking about voiceover? Voiceover, sir. This is a voiceover podcast. <laughs> um. Anyway, like you, you say, like the media you consume, you know, inspires yes. you as an actor. Do you do you watch? Do you take notes when you when you um watch any of these shows? I um I don't really take notes, but I'll watch it, and I'll if a scene really hits, I'll watch rewind it so many times. Like I think um I was rewatching Batman the animated series, the classic from '92, and Heart of Ice. Like I know it's cliche, but it's the best episode because it took this villain, Mr. Freeze, who was just like, oh, he freezes people, he's, he's a scientist, and gave him a villain backstory and a reason for why he does what he does. And it's that whole line where he's like, I'm going to kill everyone in here, and Batman does the classic hero thing, you know, you know, even if it means harming those that didn't do anything to you. And Mr. Freeze is like, yeah, he's so calloused. And he has that line about to never walk with a hot breeze in your face and a warm hand to hold oh, yes, I'd kill for that. That's just like, oh, it just solidifies like, okay, this villain isn't just robbing bank. This villain 
is consumed by revenge. And so shows like that that have characters that are they're that invested in you want them to do the right thing are just so good. Like nope. I'm watching um The Expanse right now. It's really good. It's super hard sci-fi and well done. And everyone's got these motivations that are so beautiful. So I love stuff like that. If there's any motivation that makes me just like my heart sink of like, ah, there's like that line in, um, what is X-Men first class where, you know, Magneto has gone off the hinge because they were trying to bomb them, send all these missiles to catch them in the air. And then Xavier's like, they're just falling orders. And it's like, that's the last thing you want to say to Magneto who's, mother was killed in the Holocaust. That is the last thing you want to tell them. And I love stuff like that. Okay. I'm going to be a complete jerk and spoil something really Uh (laughs) and spoil uh, Batman Arkham city. So if you have not played that game, I I have played, I've watched a friend play Arkham city. So it's a good game, but I didn't play it, but I got to watch a friend play all of it. So if you have not played Arkham city Mm -hmm. and you don't want to be spoiled, tune out for, uh, the next five minutes um yes. the ending the ending oh my god uh i remember yeah. t- 10 years ago playing that for the first time and when joker dies mm-hmm. and batman says you know what's funny after everything you've done i still would have saved you yeah uh, that hit and... me so hard so yeah. hard <laughs> Because Batman, even though he has all these villains in his rogue gallery, he has that guilt of not being able to save his parents as a kid. Like, he just, no matter what, he, just, he is so against killing and murder. And I always appreciate when people write Batman that way instead of, you know, oh, cool, Batman's got a gun. I know he started out that way in his first appearance, but he has changed and believes in not killing. That makes him have a code of honor instead of, oh, look, Batman just killed 20 people in the Batmobile. Oh, all right. All right, we're doing that. <laughs> yeah, but but the point is, like, that stuff like that still sticks yes. with you. Like, my oh, point so is, good. is, like, uh, you know, regardless of the media, again, another moment, you know, again, spoilers for Beast Wars, if anyone is. Spoilers for oh, a 20, 26-year-old, <laughs> 26-year-old show. I know what you're about to say. Go on. Dinobot's death. Okay. Yes. Oh, it's Scott McNeil has always said in interviews, Dinobot knew he was going to die before I did. And he's all like, oh, I'm quoting a lot more Shakespeare than I used to. This is cool. And that whole final scene is just perfection because that was the first character I saw as a kid that went from, you know, the classic, you know, heel face turn. You know, someone watches wrestling, know what that means. Um, bad guy becomes a good guy. And it was the classic, this character has grown. This is so interesting. I was just in love with that. And then finding out later that Scott McGill voiced Rat Trap, Dinobot, Wasp, all that. And I'm like, what? That was a huge influence me as a kid as that show is like, you can do that? And yeah, Dinobot's death is just, redemption is beautiful. So good. I mean, it's not just his death was what was what uh, made me cry. It's mm-hmm. what happens immediately after he, you know, says his last words. The first person to give him a salute is Rat Trap. And yep. that <sighs> moment is so perfect because if you watch this, the show from beginning to, to mm-hmm. that point, 
you know Dinobot and Ratchap have this like odd couple chemistry where they hate each other but always they, at each other's yeah, throats and it's yeah. hilarious to think of Scott McNeil <laughs> doing the classic I'm gonna put this character on my right shoulder put this character on my left shoulder to have that physicality difference and just running through the lines because the man's way talented and insane <laughs> yeah and so having rat trap be the first yes. character to to give him you know a salute just broke me oh, yeah. just it's broke me <laughs> perfect and they're like you know you're like last the last bar was like what what um up uh, upwind the preference and it's like even though he's given the like the nicest words of encouragement. He's still like insulting him. And that's that like, ah, <laughs> and it's just, it's that understanding of characters that give that it's like in Terminator two, when Sarah gives the nod to the Terminator, when she's about to lower him into the steel, it's that's all they need. No words, just the nod. And that's beauty in character and writing. Yeah, but but it's it's some of those like moments still stick with oh, you yeah. because even even like not as an actor or someone who doesn't even want to get into yeah. media, you still like wonder like you know why do these moments stick with us? It's because they were done perfectly mm-hmm. and executed perfectly, and they stand yeah. the test of time. That is the most important thing: is that they withstand the test of time. And if exactly. something does not withstand the test of time, then, you know, it's easily forgotten. But the stuff we still go back yeah. to, the stuff that we, we are failing to replicate, unfortunately, because people have this um, mm-hmm. idea now that, you know, we can't come up with any original ideas. So we're just going to ignore all the original yeah. ideas and just push down on and yeah. kill like any sh- any show that ha- that's like an original IP that, you know, wants yeah. to that develops this like... Uh, small fan base online gets oh, yeah. killed off instantly by by the networks or whoever but like shows like SpongeBob and The Simpsons and Family Guy those are going to live on for for yeah. years to come because it's like it's familiarity because uh networks it's, think it's that safe. networks think that people don't want new new ideas they don't want you know yeah. anything that challenges the quote unquote status quo they just exactly. want the same regurgitated crap all over again and it's I'm and just... it's it's funny how shows like that that started as an original thing of like this is going to get canceled in the season become like the status quo and it's amazing that journey it takes but at a certain point like i love media but if a show is like 30 seasons i'm like all right let's be honest like simpsons first nine ten seasons are perfection like season six is just oh, amazing but after that it's like it becomes you know, popcorn media, which is a totally fine thing to do. Like, I work on so many popcorn shows of, like, this is, it's not deep, it's just fun, don't worry about it. And you need that in media because, like, after, like, a bad week or something, you don't want something heavy. Like, everyone talks about Breaking Bad, and they're like, oh, I can't watch more than one episode at a time. I'm like, yeah, I get that because that show is heavy. Or, like, Sopranos, those shows are heavy. Sometimes you need the light shows that are just, oh, there's a problem, it gets fixed, everyone laughs at the end, and that's awesome they reset it's a it's like a, it's like a pop song and it's the formula it's familiar so you're not scared gets you in a comfortable place and yeah from there and it's fine but at the same time as a performer you're like yeah but if you take the risk dude that's where you get stuff like get out or movies like that that are just so good 
because they took such an interesting risk. Or, you know, like two of the best cartoons right now, in my opinion, are, you know, Kid Cosmic and and Primal because they're so different to what to what to what's being made like you know gendy yes. and craig mccracken they're like oh yeah what what i love about those two men you know in general is that they never looked back on any of their work they always kept moving forward they never yeah. got stuck in a rut they never were like okay yeah. i'm just gonna be making dexter's lab for 30 plus years and that's it no yeah. i want to i want to challenge myself i want to do something yep. no one else is doing Gendy goes from Dexter, Samurai Jack, uh, Symbiotic Titan. Oh, yeah. And then he does the Hotel Transylvania movies, but whatever. You know, it's a job, yeah. you know. Then he go- comes back yeah, to Samurai Jack. Clone Wars stuff. Yeah, Clone Wars yeah. Uh, goes back to finish Samurai Jack because he's like, you know, I want to finish the story. This is like, you know, yeah. I can't leave it hanging. Which I, I love the final season. I always debate over it. Like, oh, I hate it. I was like, no, this is perfection, guys. Like. Like, oh, but it was such a sad, like, spoilers. Okay, it's like, yeah, it's a sad ending. Guess what? Ever seen a real samurai movie? Yeah, they don't have happy endings. It's bittersweet. It's the, and it's the classic, all right, Jack wants to save the world and go back in time. Let's give him the temptation to not. And it's a classic literary device of, okay, you're going to defeat the enemy you've been looking to defeat forever it comes at a cost because once you've been at this for so long, you're so intertwined with one another. It's like two strands of DNA that, you know, you kill one half, the other half is going to suffer too. And I thought it was beautiful and perfect and still had all the hearts, but the nice, it was a nice sheen of that, like, you know, darker and edgier, but it wasn't so bad. There was still hope, which is what Samurai Jack always had, even though it was that dark dour, silent episode it was still there was that gleam of hope at the end that little music cue that was just perfection and i always love the show because i can imagine the script is like five pages and you know phil lamar goes in all right now we have three lines today delivers each one perfectly for that episode now one of the moments that made me cry was um jack versus the guardian where, Ooh, you know, the guardian, yeah. he finds the portal. He knows, yep. like, I just want to go home. And he's like, I can't let you do mm-hmm. that, Samurai. And he You're gives this ready. speech. He gives this speech where he's like, just once, I would have liked to not fight or what, whatever. I mean, it's it's a yeah. it's a short speech, but the way Phil Lamar it's delivers it, perfect. he just sounds so tired and mm-hmm. broken. And he just wants to go home. He just wants to go yep. home, but he's like, I don't want to fight you, but I will. And then, you know, he gets his ass kicked. And then, you know, before yep. he lands the blow, you know, Portal tells him something. And then he's like, okay, you know, puts Jack, puts Jack's unconscious body on, on a, on a, on a bird mm-hmm. and he flies away. And then he says, you know, you yep. will use that. You will get to use the Portal Samurai, not yet. And then shows you uh, Jack's future self and not yet. That moment. Yep. When I saw that for the first time as a teenager, that oh, broke yeah. me. That broke me. I, I was in literal, oh, tear, literal tears when I watched that for the first time. Yeah, I'm doing a rewatch right now, and the whole show is so good. One of my favorite episodes is actually when Jack visits the ruins of his old village. It's just, oh, it just tears your heart of, like, 
it gives him a reason. He's so weary of like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it has that update of, you know, where a character's at their lowest moment and they realize this is what it's about. And they just go right back into it. And and it's kind of weird when people say, oh, the the fifth season was too dark and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, did you guys forget about the dark episodes? Did you guys forget about the episodes where the where it's a villain episode and, and it ends poorly because you sympathize with the villain? Like, did, yeah, did you forget about uh, what's what's his face? The robot assassin? The and, robot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, just gave all sympathy to a villain, just doing one last job. And what's amazing about that episode is like, there's no dialogue or or sound or anything. It's just Darren Norris's narration throughout the entire thing, and he yep. just carries it. <laughs> Jack had no lines. He yeah. just and Jack was treated as the antagonist because this guy is like, if I do this, it's my last. It's the classic one last bank heist, and then you're set. You can have that family, and it's just that last heist is always going to go wrong. And I can't tell you how many times people, I just, <laughs> like, one line, Lulu, mm-hmm. take care of Lulu. Yep. <laughs> it's such a good show, but that's why I love creatives like Gendy that are always making something new. And it's like, I hope to get on a show at some point that he's making, just to be like, I got I got to say a line in the thing the dude created, because that was my childhood. Yeah, and and again, like, but again, my point is, like, I love people like you know Gendy and and, oh, yeah, and, exactly. and Craig McCracken Creatives. because they are always pushing the envelope forward. They're always moving the yes. needle forward instead of backwards, and I think that's like that's one of the things that really irritates me now is that we're seeing a lot of these new shows pop up that are really great lore heavy mm-hmm. shows, but they're not given being given the proper chance to find exactly. an audience because like networks are just not like it's like yeah this is interesting but. We we want to play it safe. We want to play it safe. Like, yeah. Glitch techs. Uh, no one wants that. Uh, have more SpongeBob. Uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating, but I get it from the money perspective. But it's the worst thing when the money people make the creative decisions. That's the worst thing. I've been there many times where it's something gets the axe because the money person said, "Ah, oh, eh, we can't do that right now." And it's like. Uh, and then they see the fan petitions. Oh, it's the greatest idea. And it's like, yeah, now you see. You don't see, you see the short term, not the long term. Like, shows like Avatar and Korra are so good. And I'm glad Nickelodeon let them get the length they did. But it sucks that they cut the final season of the first one, which was Air. That was going to be, you know, after Ang gets Fire Lord reunifying the world. The comics picked up was great. And then Korra was great. But it had the whole last season budget was cut middle through it so they had to like work on it they had a great finale but they still they didn't do the kurosami kiss because they're like network we've been dropping hints the entire time i saw them in season three these people are falling in love let's do it and they're like they can hold hands and it's like all right nick you could have been queer icons but eh. now now they support it but back then it's so funny the money people were like that's a little risky i don't know if kids are ready it's like dude Kids are born bi and queer. If they see that, that's awesome. But I don't know. I'm, I grew up in such a bohemian theater environment that it was just normal to me growing up. But I think, um, but, but I mean, my point is like, mm-hmm. um, I just, it just makes me so sad that I just realized like a couple of days ago that all the shows I like are shows that, um, didn't last very long and then yeah. shows that I that people had to fight to just get get more seasons of 
Like, especially, yeah. especially Infinity Train. The reason that got canceled really pissed me off so much, mm. so much, where the work was done on C- on book five. It was already yeah. done. Owen Owen Dennis showed a still mm-hmm. from from that uh, from that book. It was it's already been in production. It was most yep. likely done. But HBO was like, "Nah, we don't want to because quote unquote uh, kids could not relate to a char- an older character." Yeah, and it's that whole streaming mentality or this the syndication model of like, okay. Well, we have three seasons. That's enough for syndication. So, uh, yeah, well, there's more money in that. And don't make more. That's fine. And then it's like, no, 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 no. We're telling a narrative story. This isn't a sitcom. Like, Seinfeld can just pop on. There's no continuity. This is like, there's a storyline, guys. You can't just do that. But they're like, now nah, we made our money and they move on. So it does suck. But I understand the money perspective. But as an artist, I'm like, yeah, let them have their vision, please. Let the artists do what they're doing. But... That's the history of art. They needed money, so they need the whole, like, you know, Shakespeare doing all those histories about great kings so he can write his works later and all these tragedies and comedies and problem plays. But he needed to do those histories because if he didn't do the history about, you know, Richard III couldn't make Twelfth Night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and it's and that's 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 true of the entertainment industry as well, where Mm -hmm. we you get all these people who are some of the some of the most creative people on the planet and you get them to start out doing, you know, storyboards or what have you. And their ideas are probably ignored because like, yeah, whatever, who cares? And then the show that they work on becomes a huge hit. So the network calls up, you know, tries to find like every storyboard artist they can think of. And they're like, okay, you get a show, you get a show, you get a show. And then and then that storyboard artist show becomes a cultural phenomenon. Exactly. And it's like, wow. Imagine how much how different the the animation industry would have been had we listened to 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 that person's ideas to begin with instead of just like you know having them be storyboard artists on something. Oh, exactly. <laughs> we'd have, we'd have a resurgence of the '90s animation because man, there were so many shows that were just so hands off, like Rocco's Modern Life, Freakazoid. They just like oh yeah, whatever, they make a show or like Animaniacs, which was just like. You want to do a cartoon with a full orchestra? Okay, yeah, there you go, Steven Spielberg. But it's just so weird to think about how if you had that mentality nowadays in the 90s, you wouldn't have a Rockless Modern Life. You wouldn't have Angry Beavers or all those weird shows that were just like, here's a concept. Well, what's the plot? Uh, uh, whatever. That Rocco goes and gets his clothes stolen because he's at like a nudist camp or whatever i forget that was that yeah it was a nude beach and it's like you could it it's great because apparently the censors like watch the first minute yeah it's good for the kids <laughs> and until they get the calls later on like oh well we can't have bev bighead bev try to seduce a rocco in like the second episode <laughs> uh, it's just i i miss when there was overwhelming creativity that wasn't you know, cut off. But I guarantee even then there probably was. But that's the whole, you know, rose-tinted glasses looking at, like, growing up. Like, oh, it was, like, everything. People could do what they wanted. And then it's, like, you forget about all the crappy shows. Like, Barney, of course, obviously. Like, all those crappy shows in the 90s. But it's that, the duality of music. You're, like, everyone says, oh, music back in the day was so much better. It's, like, you're listening to the hits. 
I can play you a bunch of like, oh, this was number 30 on the charts that you're going to be like, man, that song is garbage. And that's every time with music is like, you're, we're waiting through what's considered great. And until we get there, don't say, oh, music used to be better. It's like, no, nah, music's always good. Art's always good. You're just in the middle of the gleaning process of like, what's going to stick. No, I, I saw a YouTube video that really pissed me off when someone was like, oh, well, rap music used to be so much better because, like, there's no lot, <sighs> you know, because it had longevity. And I'm like, wait a minute, longevity? Are you kidding me? Mm. Are you kidding me? So by longevity, you mean you just listen to Illmatic all, over and over again. You, you don't even bother listening to Nas's entire discography. You're just oh, like, ah, eh. we're just we're, so good. We're just going to listen to Illmatic or, or yep. I Am or, or what, what have you, like the quote unquote classic albums. And you're not going to bother because yep. like that, that's one. That's what the God I'm going on a rant about music. No, no, now, no, no please, like, dude, I love hip hop. I'm a huge hip hop person. Please go on. No, it really annoyed me because it's like. Yeah. Can't and and I wanted to say this. I wanted to type on. I wanted to type on a comment saying, you know, Kendrick Lamar can drop a flawless discography, yeah, and have no bad albums, and people would still say, oh well, his music doesn't have longevity. Well, yeah. I still go back to uh, sing about me. I'm dying of thirst. That is one of oh, the yeah. greatest songs ever conceived by anybody. And yeah. I still go back to that. So screw you to say that modern music doesn't have longevity. Screw you. Yeah, it's it's so weird to say. But people, of course, do that whole thing where they get the like, they'll listen to that one artist and then they find them in high school where they're most formative, where they're trying to find their identity. And then they cling to that. So they're adults. That's it. And they're like, oh, everything else sucks now. It's like, well, because you're not opening yourself up to empathize and bond with music. That's what I do all the time is constantly finding new artists, new hip hop, new metal, new punk, new folk, just new classical, everything, always trying to find new things. I listen to on NPR, Morning Becomes Eclectic, and it's just music from all across the world. And I'm like, oh, this is great. So I'm always trying to broaden my horizons. But I get that, the fatigue of like, well, it's like, of course they have longevity because they've been around 30 years. And you're like, and it's just the biggest cop out of like, well, this artist sucks. It's like. This artist is like 10 years old. Don't don't dismiss them. It's the same people that would have dismissed Nas early on. Same people. Yeah, and it's just like it just really annoys me because it's yeah. it's just like uh, uh, rap nowadays is much better than it was back in the 2000s. I'm sorry. Anyone who says like 2000s era rap was great, you know, I no, I'm sorry. I remember listening to a lot of 2000s era rap, like listening to entire albums, and it was all ringtone rap. It was like ringtone rap. Very clubby is like the late 90s. That's when the commercialization of rap really took off, and they wanted to make a lot more safer. Like, I'll make a club hit. It's like none of this conscious shit. No, no, no. Don't talk about how hard and how fucked up and how systemic racism is. No, no, no. Just talk about being in the club because that's safe and I'll make you money, and we want to sell that. But I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, that song is like the perfect early 2000s rap song. You have Little John, you have Ludacris, and you have Nelly. And it's just every time I hear that song, that beat is like, dude, this is perfect club rap. And it's great because for what it is in that era, it works. Because I do agree there's a lot of a lot of the underground shit. Like Doom was making a bunch of great stuff during that period. Um, Dr. Octagon you had. Um, Della Funkin was Sapien. 
you had a bunch of artists like making, you know, I guess underground stuff that was still doing well, Jurassic five, but I do get the big hits were all, they tended to be more club friendly because they wanted, that's where the plays were like get in the club, get on the radio. Cause no one wants to listen to, you know, this downtrodden song about like a lot of my friends are dead because the police are racist. Like, Oh no, 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 no keep it happy guys. So from the money make perspective, it's the same thing. Like, that's risky. That's, ooh, let's not shake up the status quo, guys. Racism, no, 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 no. Let's just talk about, you know, drinking in a club. That's safe. Everyone can do that. And then Joe, Joe in the IT department can drink to that song and doesn't want to have to think about death and problems and racism from that systemic lens. So I get it. I mean, I, yeah, I get that, but at the same time, it just, it, it just, I don't understand like how people yeah. can just be like, oh man, rap today, it all sounds the same. Oh, so you're telling me yeah. Toby Lou sounds the same as Lil Pump. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the same, got, right? <laughs> and now you got Lil Nas X who's just pissing people off because he's super hella gay, hella open and doesn't care. And it's just like, oh, what? You're mad that I had this really, you know, raunchy video? Why aren't you mad about poverty or this person being murdered? This 11-year-old black kid killed by the cop? Why aren't you mad about that? But you're mad at this, you know, me lap dancing with Satan. You're mad about that, but not this. And just, it's a perfect call out for like cultural outrage. And again, it's, it's, you know, people are like, oh, cancel culture, cancel culture. The fact that that, mm. that dude got taken to court over Satan shoes, that's oh, that cancel was... culture, yeah. kids. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, okay, they call it cancel culture when some white old racist says something and gets removed. But then if they take a little Nas to court, like, oh, that's, that's retribution because they're morally awful. And it's like, no, that's the same thing. Just, you don't want to call it that because now it's benefiting you. And, like, look, cancel culture is its whole complicated thing. There's a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of, like, you know, righteous white people trying to be like, oh, we'll cancel this because then it clears their conscience. Like, oh, I'm never going to watch that movie. But it's like, eh, give it two years. You'll put it back on. But you want to right now in the moment act like you care. And there's legitimate benefits. Like um, the uh, Jeopardy host, he was a horrible human being of, like, not listening to women's complaints and got removed from the show finally because, good, I don't want that douchebag what is an executive producer doing jeopardy give it to lavar burton please yeah no and 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 again look i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like i've said this before i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like Mm -hmm. people don't get called out over stuff that's harmless or stupid that happens exactly i've seen that happen with voice actors when someone Mm -hmm. may i again some guy made it big on on recently, and he's like mm-hmm. starting to get recognition. I'm not going to go into details because then everyone's yeah. going to be like, "Yeah, you're bringing up drama. You're bringing up drama." Yeah, screw you, screw you. I'm yeah. I'm just gonna say that I remember this happening where uh, this guy on you know did a popular cartoon on YouTube and you mm-hmm. know got you know got popular. He's like you know he's become a slowly getting his name out there. Yeah, and. What happened was people who weren't fans of that cartoon dug up a bunch of his old accounts to find stuff to complain about and be like, oh, look how horrible he is because he posted this thing back when he was 14 years old. Yeah. And it's, I'm more of the opinion of 
instead of like removing someone completely unless it's like reprehensible if it's just like you know an off tweet or like something like stuff we said in high school like you know it's more like time out and apologize like yeah you've changed you've grown but if someone has a whole twitter account of them just like dropping like the f word about someone then it's like okay that's like that's aggressive dude you we need to address this or like i think it was james gunn had a few like ridiculous tweets that were intentionally trying to like push the envelope and he apologized for them but they tried to cancel him and he came back and it's like no this was just the alt-right trying to be like nah nah we're gonna use it against you now but it's the funniest thing is it's like if someone has a heart and they get you know canceled they'll apologize and they'll know what they did wrong but if like an alt-right nazi gets canceled they're like Ugh, liberals liberals and it's like you see there's a difference dude you could just admit you're wrong but it just makes them double down on their prejudiced beliefs and just not care anymore. And and props to that guy. He did respond to to the call yeah. post and say like, "Look, I you know I was a dumb kid. I yep. don't find edgy humor funny, but you know I was I was a dumb kid or what have you." And and the, that recording doesn't represent who I am now. And you yeah. know so and so. And it's like and people still you know people forgave him and the fact yeah. that he even had to even address this because it's like dude you did a bunch of like dumb shit at, you know when you were 14 like who hasn't done that come on yeah but the problem was they recorded it that's the whole thing and there's the guilt in it and we've all said stupid stuff when we were kids like i don't care who you are you're gonna say something dumb or believe something stupid you're growing no one's born a perfect saint and you're going to have these things you do and that's why when someone gets canceled it's that whole like better them than me there's that whole mentality it's just a complicated issue because focusing your energy on someone that did something bad you don't get to turn inward to yourself to look at okay what are my prejudices and biases what have i done that has been messed up and looking outward is so much easier than looking inward so i get it it has its place but a lot of times unless it's for a good cause like you know the me too movement which just decimated all those fuck uh, fucking creeps out of Hollywood. There, I said the F word. <laughs> All those creeps out of Hollywood. And they're still there, though. There's some that, like, it didn't penetrate. But I'm glad that at least it started something and it gave, you know, women a voice and people that were mistreated. And it's just so refreshing to see that. And if, and if the backfire from that is someone gets canceled because they said something edgy, that's okay fallout because the end, what the good came from it is outweighing the minor stuff. And then look, they had to apologize. They'll come back. That's not that bad, but someone who's a legit manipulator and gaslighter and exploitative person. I'm glad that they're, they're out of the industry, hopefully stay out of the industry. Don't want to see the, another Weinstein film pop up in 10 years. Ugh. Oh God. I can't even look at that logo anymore. I'm just I, it, it's, I love Kevin Smith movies, so it's hard every time. Like, yeah, Kevin Smith, let's watch, you know, Chasing Amy or like Clerks or Mallrats. Oh, mm, there's that Miramax logo. And in his book, he talks about like the meetings they have with Weinstein, and it's like auditioning the women. I'm like, ooh, this is 2005. Like, ooh, I can, I can now see, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's just messed up completely. But luckily, SAG-AFTRA is making small changes. We have industry rules now. We have. We've gotten rid of hotel auditions, I believe so. That used to be a thing, is you would just go to a hotel and do audition. And now it's like, uh, no, you gotta have it in, like, a place. 
it's gotta be you know a sanctioned area but again i don't know much because i do voiceover but i'm from what i've heard it's much better but there's still so much further to go Oh no, there are still people in the industry that I'm just mm. like, why are they still around? Why there's why is this piece of shit getting yeah. work? <laughs> yeah, we we joke sometimes we work on a movie of if the director's there and if they're not a nice director, they're kind of eh, antsy because a lot of directors are great. Most directors I work for are awesome, but there was one that was very cantankerous, and the person that hired me apologized like, I'm so sorry, I had no idea they'd be here everything we try and do like one cover stop 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 you sound like actors and it's like it took us two hours to get through like three scenes and then they go to the bathroom and i look at my friend and i put my finger to my nose and they try not to laugh because i could tell i I know the people i grew up in florida i know the type and they come back and they're just like they eat some food they eat some coffee oh i'll catch you guys i gotta go and it's like they leave and we just lost it like (laughs) Dude just went to have some booger sugar and he's like, oh, I've got a meeting somewhere else now. I've got so much energy. And it's like, good, please go somewhere else. (laughs) And then we got the entire thing done (laughs) that day. Uh, It was just a nightmare and they were there. It's like, why is this person, why have they been fired? They like, they misgendered our engineer and all this. And it was like, yeah. And I'm just, I look forward to the day where you don't have to hold your tongue at the person with the power to go all right can't do anything because if i do something then we get fired and then you know it's like i want this person's power gone because it just sucks and i can't imagine like how i feel like powerless that situation that's nothing compared to what you know a woman or a queer person said the face or a person that's not white like i can't even i can't even imagine me being like slightly uncomfortable about this director being you know a piece of shit i can't even imagine yeah, and and I I I'll say this right now. I people have no idea how hard for me. Like people, you you have no idea how hard it is for me to constantly hold back on talking shit about a, a lot of terrible individuals in the industry. I I that, can imagine I <laughs> that that still to this day get work. That still boggles my mind, like how they get oh, work, yeah. and I'm just like, why? Yeah, you can replace them with anybody. It's voiceover. Who cares? Yeah, just there are certain people that, like, I, I have such shorthand with friends. We can just mention one or two things, and it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. And we instantly know we don't have to even mention the name, so we can drop it in polite conversation. We just have the shorthand ready of like, oh, that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree with uh, Sean Chiplock. He said something on Twitter where he's like, you know, normalize, you know getting these fuckers out of here like normalize like you know not not giving these fuckers another chance because they're pieces of shit and they shouldn't be you know they shouldn't be welcome back with open arms exactly you know and the fact that one of the funniest things is that is like the fact that uh and he was like you didn't even name anybody but the fact that yeah. people came in in <laughs> in the reply saying, "Are you talking about this person or that person?" The fact that they Man. could name so many yeah. different names, actors who are still working, by the way, just yeah. goes to show you how 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 screwed up everything is. Yeah, it's it's messed up. But I'm hoping the conversations are changing slowly, little by little, and I'm seeing, you know, certain people's names not appearing and stuff anymore which is nice but then they like double down on like the con culture of like well this con will have me and it's like ugh. 
Like, well, we got rid of that money stream, but now they still have this one. They'll go to that convention, and they'll, you know, the convention owners, like, it's hella all right, so they don't care. Like, oh, I don't believe that. They're trying to cancel you because you're, you're this and this, and it's like, of course. Then they just find that little hole to go in. Or, or in the case of other other voice actors, you know, they just they just run the con themselves, and then they just yeah, they, they'll just they'll just <laughs> run a con in during the height of COVID, mind you, the height of oh, COVID. Yes. I believe and, we're talking about the same person. Yeah, and the, the height of COVID, <laughs> and then they yeah. have the balls to lie and say they never got exposed to it. Screw mm-hmm. you, screw you, you lying piece of shit. <laughs> yep. And this is the shorthand I'm talking about. We, we're talking about the same person. We don't even need to mention their name. Oh, oh. <laughs> and, and he still has a platform, by the way. Oh, oh no, no, you, you give it too much information. You give it to, <laughs> just said their gender. Now they can whittle it down. <laughs> oh, shocker. It's a guy. Oh, yeah, shocker. Yeah, for real. It's a man. Shocker. A man is a piece of shit. <laughs> And he still gets a platform because he's popular. Yeah. He has he's he has a big role on an on a, on a show, and they don't want to recast yeah. him for whatever reason. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's the most annoying thing. It's, and it's like I feel bad. Like oh, I didn't get cast in the show because you know your nephew nepotism got it. But then this person can be a piece of shit and still work for years. It's like all right, I see how it is. Yeah, I will run a con during the height the height of COVID and then lie yep. and say I never got COVID. Screw you. Mhm. Yeah, those people are just the worst. But we're getting negative. Let's talk about something happy. <laughs> Let's go go to your interview questions. Let's look at something positive. <laughs> um, oh crap, we've been talking for like an hour and 24 minutes now. Huh? I don't, I I don't know how long did your podcast go. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I stuff. I mean, it, it usually depends on how long you got, man. <laughs> I I'm free till another hour but i don't i don't know if people listen to like a two and a half hour podcast with scott lambert who, who the who the hell's that <laughs> who no um positivity positivity oh positivity, positivity. um the character arc what we're doing we're low point are getting the high part the redemption <laughs> or we can just end it now and be like well, let's do part two and then we don't do part two <laughs> Oh, we're gonna do the what is that? Remember in the '90s where they had all like the Super Mario Brothers movie had the stinger where Princess Peach comes back and like camo and armor like Mario, Luigi, we need your help. And that little like, is there gonna be a sequel? No, it was a box office bomb. You gotta wonder like those executives really thinking like, oh, this we're just make a huge franchise out of this movie. (laughs) We're huge. (laughs) It just goes nowhere. Um, what was, what was it? Uh, oh, the dark universe. Yeah, that, mm. that, that universe went places. <laughs> oh, Tom Cruise. You remember the trailer that came out? They forgot to add all the sound effects and he's in the plane just going, <laughs> ah, 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 and it's like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I felt so bad. It was like, oh, that's raw looping. <laughs> that's what we sound like before they had all the cool stuff. <laughs> Sad. He he definitely got redubbed over in the in the movie. I guarantee you by an actor screaming because those screams. Were- <laughs> <laughs> he does his own stu- He does his own stunts, but he'll never do his own ADR. <laughs> it's like, it sounds like it sounds like it sounded like him on the South Park, the parody of him, which was funny. <laughs> like when he had uh, what was it? When he had semen on his back, and he's like ah ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> oh, cool! I didn't know they got Troy, uh, Trey Parker to do the to do the looping. Ah. For this. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna get never wording this town again. I've made fun of Tom Cruise and Gary Busey in the same <laughs> podcast. Never gonna work in this town again. <laughs> I'll have you know Tom Cruise is great. <laughs> oh no. This podcast is in the pocket of Tom Cruise and that thing he's a part of that I don't want to mention. <laughs> oh god. Like every time I think of Tom Cruise, I think of the parody of him on Family Guy on uh, Tiny yeah. Tom Cruise. I don't know why I think that. Well, I think <laughs> the joke the joke was I think it cuz he's He's not super, he's like average height or a little shorter. And so that's the joke about like, leading men usually are like five, six to five, seven in early Hollywood. Because the women are about the same height. So it worked out. So on camera, they look the same height. But I think the joke was that, you know, like, oh, Tom Cruise's person, you realize like, ah, that's how tall they are. And I'm going to look and it's going to be like my height. And I'm going to laugh. Yeah, Tom Cruise's height is five, seven. So that's like, what an inch below average height, but uh, the Hollywood America. magic makes him look <laughs> looks yes. look bigger than he actually is. Well, there's that um, there's the classic image from an old western movie of like you know a a woman in heels and like a hat and stuff, and there's the person up on like a soapbox to like do the scene with her, and it's like oh, toxic masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk to a woman taller than you. Oh. <laughs> She had to do that scene and just like mm. not laugh. Yep. <laughs> the fact that this guy's talking to me on standing on a literal soapbox. Yep. On the apple crate. <laughs> because again, like you watch media in general and they mm-hmm. always shoot stuff from the waist up so you never actually yeah. see full body shots. So you kinda wonder like how tall are people really? Yeah, you never know. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, there's the whole debate of how tall he is. There's a whole website dedicated to it. Just back in the day, I found that, like, what? People are that obsessed with how tall someone is? But I'm average height. I'm, like, 5'9", so I don't care. It's, like, not a distinguishing feature about me. The world's made for me. But, like, with some people, if they're, like, you know, under average height, like, they're just, it's the thing they're all about. I'm, like, I'm not sure. Uh, It's, like, dude, who cares? Don't worry about it. Oh, I, I I say this is a short guy, but I'm just like, oh, whatever. I don't care. My height doesn't yeah. it doesn't bother me. Like, yeah, it looks yeah. weird when I'm standing next to because I have this photo of when I met Christopher Lloyd at a Comic Con back in. Well, he's like six six. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's, just, a be, he's a he's a he's a he's a basketball player, dude. <laughs> I know, and it's like I just look like a little kid next to him. <laughs> it's like so hilarious. Wait, what are you talking about, Christopher Lloyd? You're telling me that you're a giant. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause, cause you don't know from watching those oh, yeah. movies, but like I've Damn seen him in person, but and he's tall. Like I had to like oh, is. look up and <laughs> look up just to talk to him because I'm like, oh my goodness, you are. Yeah, it's like you I'm are. Like... You are a monster, sir. <laughs> you are a giant. Ah, <laughs> uh, what is his name from? He was in Chuck. He's um Shazam. Zachary Levi is like he's like six three, six four. He's tall and lanky, so. And Chuck, I'm rewatching like there's scenes with his best friend Morgan, who's like five seven, five six, and it's a, it's a comedy, so it works. Their heights are so different, but that's real life. I have my friend back home. Um, I won't say their name because I that'd be weird. But I have a friend back home. They're like six six. One of my best friends is six five, and like that's our group of friends. Like 
apparently just like five dudes that are really tall and that's just what happened and those no. are like some of my best friends are all like <laughs> giants for some reason no i remember i remember um and this is kind of mean but whatever i don't know what's your podcast <laughs> no it's not I, it's not me but i'm just like saying mm-hmm. that um i remember back in college um mm-hmm. there was this like girl who was like really really tall and a lot of people like <laughs> you mm-hmm. know yeah. Just like oh, and that was like her one characteristic because oh, she's really tall. Yeah, Isn't that every weird? tall person's yeah. never heard that before. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. come on, guys, come on. Yeah, that's mean. Yeah, I know people are, <laughs> people are dumb. It's like, well, we don't talk about your like receding hairline, George. What? It's like, yeah, and how does it feel now? <laughs> Everyone knows we don't mention it because <laughs> common courtesy you do as a human being. What are you talking about, Jerry? <laughs> my hair's great. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I did Meisner for two years. So that's like, if you want to feel insecure, go to a Meisner class. You're doing the whole Meisner, and it's like, you're blinking too much, uh, and you're just super self-aware now of everything. You're worried they're going to call out something like, oh, you have a lazy eye, and you're like, I didn't know I had one. Uh, and you just freak out. But I've, I've done enough of that, and I'm traumatized. I mean, I've learned enough from Meisner that I'm good. <laughs> Oh no, that's why that's why I'm 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 so glad that uh, Paul Eiding made it big because if you you know he ha- you know because he has a lazy eye and and I'm like you know what yeah. the fact that you you did it Paul the fact that you got to be yeah. a transformer uh, yep yep <laughs> you got to and be just... you got to be in the industry and and no he doesn't yeah. do a lot a lot of work nowadays because you know getting older and well, he's retired he's he's done his chair mm-hmm. he was Colonel Campbell he was my childhood so like. Oh, Paul's a great guy. He was the first guest I ever interviewed. Oh, that's that awesome! Was, yeah, that was a terrible interview. Do not look that up, please. Oh no! <laughs> well, I'm sure he he made it wonderful, and he's a nice guy. I met him. He's at a lot of SAG meetings. He's always kind of there. Like when we had them in the before times, he was always there, like speaking up about our animation contracts or video game contracts. Oh no, he's you know he always he Super always awesome. was like I. Him and Sobolov, you know, are guys oh, are, yeah. I madly respect because they are not afraid to speak out. I'm just like, yes. yeah, good, good. Sobolov was um my, he made my video game demo and was just like, he came from Miser, so he he actually studied with Sandy Meisner. He's like the only person I know that did. Dude is so good, and everything he taught me has just made me a better performer. Like him, Charlie Adler, who is just... I love Charlie. He's the reason I'm still in LA. I would have moved away if it was for him giving me the kick in the ass I needed at my lowest point. And it was perfect. Because he just, he empathized and told me a story about him where he was at a place where I was. And he saw it and just gave me the best hug ever after I cried my freaking eyes out. This is no, one of the nicest people ever. No, Charlie's great because I love that even after all these years, he's still... Like he made it big in the industry, but he just never became that sellout. He never became oh, never. that. Never that because again, like I've talked to people who, again, won't mention names, but you know, people yeah. who who are big in the industry, but they have this way of talking down to to fans and in a very passive yeah. aggressive manner. I'm just like, okay, I yeah, can I can I, tell I, you I have no respect for me, so I I'm not gonna bother. Yeah. Well, it's that- the weirdest thing. Like, you'll meet them at a convention, and you'll see how they talk to people. Then the second I'm in, like, my guild, we go to the meeting, and I go, oh, thanks for speaking up for us. And, oh, thank you for coming out. And, like, suddenly, like, okay, the way you talk, that fan, at that convention, I saw you two years ago, but now I'm in the same union as you. And I'm like, 
that tone's completely gone. And it's like the weirdest thing because now they see, oh, we're in the same room bitching about the same contract. Oh, I guess we are in the equal playing field. Like, yeah, we are, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's, I'm, I don't care who it is. Like everyone, everyone uses the bathroom. Everyone does something stupid. Everyone has a bird shit on them at some point. We are all human. I, this whole ego thing is stupid. Yeah. It, at, it, some, it, at some point, I'm trying to think of the most famous person, like Barack Obama had a bird shit on his shoulder and just like, you know what? That's life. <laughs> yeah, no, it really annoyed me because it was a person who I was trying to get on the podcast and it was mm. like, you know, we just scheduling conflicts. It just never worked. And, you know, mm-hmm. they did they did a meet and greet, a virtual meet and greet. And I, you know, paid money for it and, you know, paid for 20 mm. minutes. And and I just said, like, OK, why didn't it never work out? You know, why did it never work out? And, and they just, you know, just they're just like eh, they just gave that annoying little, yeah. uh, you know, you know, they got away from me. All this stuff. I'm like, w- no, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't fucking know. W- what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, I, I say after it took you a month and a half to get me on this podcast, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for that. I, I got a new agent recently, so I've been swamped with life and just craziness. And I was like, oh, I'll do that. And then you finally remind me, like, oh, yeah, should I have to do that? Uh, oh, yeah, I'll do this. And it turned out to be a great experience. And I apologize for putting it off so long. <laughs> and I'm like, now I feel like, oh, just I'm like giving the impression now that I was like the like Russian mob person on that. Now I, I feel like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I have to upload this because you you were nice enough to say that. <laughs> no, I will. Like you can keep, please. It's everything I say is stuff I would say. If the little red lights on. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till it goes off, and then like fuck you, you piece of shit. <laughs> uh, you, you start off with an intro recorded. This is Scott Lambert is a piece of shit, and he doesn't. His parking tickets that aren't paid. He's a socialist. Damn. Yeah, and that's the intro. <laughs> and you, you do like the sound bites where it's like, you talk to me like what I was talking about. Like, you know, I hate people that are racist too. I'm racist. And it's like, oh no, no, he messed the audio up of me to make me say bad things. <laughs> you, as a podcaster, you have such tremendous power to do things like that. But you don't. You have your powers for good. You could edit the audio to ruin someone's life. Oh know. no! Oh, okay. You know what? I'll I'll just say it right now. I I'm not gonna say who this person is, but <laughs> I, I I had recently recorded an episode that was so terrible because it was, you know, clearly this person had no respect for me, and they were just coming in doing like giving me like really short answers and just like not elaborating on anything, and just yeah. overall they were they were a terrible guest. And I wasn't going to upload the episode. I was just like, uh, whatever, I'm done. I'm I'm just going to move on. And then I get an email from them saying, yeah, thank you for having me on your show. It was a lot of fun. But you clearly were not ready. Fuck wow. you. Fuck you. Okay. This fact we've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes, uh, not ready at all. that's like i said the whole looking outward instead of inward thing maybe you gotta look inward maybe you didn't give a good interview because you were not talking to someone on the same level as you maybe you're an asshole like one of my questions was oh you worked on this netflix series and you uh you know you played these two characters did you audition for any other characters and she's and they were like um you auditioned for i auditioned for all the characters what does that tell me 
What am I supposed to do with yeah. that? Please tell me what am I what am I supposed to do with that? How am I supposed to bounce off of that? And and they got upset because we got off topic. You know what? Mm. You know what? What what we got off topic with? We were talking about Looney Tunes cartoons. Fucking Looney Tunes cartoons. I'm sorry. I I I was talking about something interesting. I am so yeah. sorry that well, it, I talked about something. This, this this whole podcast has been off topic. I think you talked about voiceover of me for like. <laughs> five ten minutes and it would go back in from time to time but it's mostly just been wherever because that's who i am because <laughs> like i said i don't like to talk about work so of course i slyly find a way to not, not talk about work <laughs> and i love how we're like ah, we, we're not gonna swear and then it just turns it to swearing like but you drop the first one and i'm like whatever it's... like i said I, I told you i wait for the director they drop the they got you fuckers in here i'm like oh that's that's the tone for the day <laughs> All right, man. This has been a lot of fun, but uh, as a, unfortunately, fun. unfortunately, all good things. You don't want to make this the longest episode. You <laughs> give that, give that, that glory to someone like I don't know Nancy Cartwright or something. Don't give it to me. No, why, why does Scott Lambright have the longest interview? It's like because he <laughs> went off topic and talked about Eric Andre for twenty minutes <laughs> and hip hop and all this. I can Star. cut. I can cut that out. I'll just cut out the entire Eric Andre bit. And then no, it's like, I figure you'll figure what works in the editing room. Because I, I trust podcasters to be like it's a five minute episode. Oh, it's this guy a voiceover. That's it. That's the episode, guys. We could use five minutes of footage from the hour and a half. That's my that's my 1940s movie director. I'll produce his son that way. Come on, kid, let's get you in the studio, kid. You're gonna make a million dollars. Oh God. Um. Anyway, where can yes. people find you online to bother you about stuff? Uh, then message me. Yo, you said some really fucked up stuff that I don't agree with. <laughs> um. I'm sorry if you're alt right and a Nazi. Please don't sneak into my DMs. I have I have no interest. I have kicked nazis out of my local punk scene when i was a teen i i don't fuck with nazis okay so you can find me at scott lambright on twitter instagram and if you want you can add me on facebook i guess i don't i'll talk to you i guess uh don't text me but yeah um just scott lambright i've got scottlambright.com which i need to pay for the renewal of my website i just remembered <laughs> yeah so that's where i can be found and yeah, I don't post much about work because I just don't. But I assure you, I'm all right. I'm not homeless anymore. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for taking the time out to do this. And we got to get you back on for another episode because this down. was too much fun. <laughs> I'm down. And thank you for having me. And apologize. I'm very Caucasian. How do I pronounce your name? Uh, Abdullah Qutbuddin. Abdullah Qutbuddin. <laughs> 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 That's the most cock. My most cock. My name is Scott. Actually, my my middle name is Lambright. My. Do you know what my last legal name is? You get to it's, guess. Um, shit face. <laughs> War, I, close Smith. <laughs> so yes, I, I'm sorry as my caucasity. I just that name Abdullah. Okay, I got that. Cool. Okay, <laughs> but it's like I hate white people to do this. Like, oh, I can't pronounce the name. Like mother. Motherfucker, you think someone who's not from America pronounced Lambert? I get Lambert all the time. Like, no, no, shut up. <laughs> your name's stupid too to other people, so don't even get. Oh, right oh, there. and the person who had was the person who sent me that email said, um, 
made me re-record the intro because they mispronounced their name, so they can go fuck themselves. (laughs) Woof. Uh, Someone mispronounced your name. You get to say it twice. I get, oh, Scott Lambert? No, Lambright. Oh, Lambright. I'll remember that. You're going to hear Lambert. (laughs) Whatever. All right. Take care, my man. And uh, yeah, bye-bye. Goodbye.